Here's a sneak peek of what we have today. What was the application process like and the admission process like for Irish schools? The Irish students actually go straight into medicine, dental, and law from high school. Would you say like you felt like you were at an advantage then, like coming in from an undergrad? Yeah, so you can work anywhere in Europe, you can work anywhere in Canada, and anywhere in Australia. There's a lot to know about in dentistry. We should be having discussions about business, entrepreneurship, and innovation. So let's start right here, right now. This is the business of drilling. All right, so welcome back to the Business of Drilling. We're really excited to present you today with Dr. Lauren Chandler. Dr. Chandler was born and raised in Oakville, Ontario, and attended Queen's University, where she studied biology and completed her Bachelor of Science degree. During her time at Queen's, she traveled to Cusco, Peru, on an outreach trip to offer medical and dental treatment to communities without access to healthcare. This volunteer trip truly sparked her passion for dentistry and giving back to communities in need. Shortly after graduating from Queen's, she moved to Cork, Ireland, to begin studying dentistry at the University of College Cork. Dr. Chandler thoroughly enjoyed her five years living in Ireland and loved immersing herself in European culture. While studying abroad, she has been fortunate enough to explore over 20 other European countries. And Dr. Chandler is thrilled to be back in Ontario and part of the Summer Smiles family dental team. She's passionate about forming long-term relationships with her patients and making them feel as comfortable as possible as soon as they walk through the door. When not at work, she enjoys planning her next trip, going to a spin class, and spending time at her family cottage in Grand Bend. Dr. Chandler, Lauren, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. We're really excited to talk to you about Ireland today. So my name is Vlad. I'm your host. I'm joined by my two awesome co-hosts today, Bob Yajani and Jury Shurgan. Bob, how are you doing? To be back on one of the podcasts, filling in for Chris today. So happy to have a good conversation. And Jury, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So Lauren, why don't you just kind of tell us your story? How did you get to Ireland? What was your process to get you where you are today. Yeah. So yeah, as you mentioned, um, I'm from Oakville. Um, my dad actually was a corporate banker and my mom's a retired hygienist. So I kind of had, you know, the business and science influence when I was in high school. And my dad would always tell me, you know, the business world is amazing for women. You know, you can make it super far in the business world. And then there I had my mom saying, you know, dentistry is an amazing and rewarding career. I look at my boss and they just love their, they're so passionate. They just love their job. So consider dentistry. And I, I knew that um, in high school, I wanted to work with people. Um, I didn't really see myself sitting at a desk for the rest of my life. Um, I really wanted to be hands-on and, you know, um, be sort of on the healthcare side of things. So that being said, um, I went the science route and, you know, knowing that I had a special interest in dentistry and also knowing that with dentistry, you can actually immerse yourself into the business side by owning a practice one day. So I kind of thought, you know what, this is the best of both worlds. Um, let's go this route. So yeah, I went to Queens and did my bachelor of science there, um, majored in biology. And as you mentioned, um, my second year there, I joined MedLife, which is an outreach group. Um, so we traveled to Cusco, Peru, and um, we volunteered with dentists, doctors, gynecologists, and pharmacists. And we traveled into these little villages, into the mountains um, each day. And these villages had people that have never seen a doctor or dentist in their life. So they were just so fortunate. And even with the language barrier, you could just tell how happy they were and how grateful they were for, for us being there and helping them and getting them out of pain. And it was just, it was a really 
really touching experience. Um, and I think that's what really kind of fueled my passion for dentistry. I spent most of my time, um, on that trip with the dentist there. So, um, that was super rewarding. So, um, yeah, I came back from that trip, shouted a few dentists in Kingston, um, where Queens is located. And I, quickly discovered, you know what, this is the career for me. This is what I want to do. Um, so I did plan to apply just to Canadian and American dental schools. And then I think it was my summer after third year, I was working at a restaurant, um, in Grand Bend, um, where my family cottage is. And I was talking to one of the girls working there and she said her good friend is studying dentistry in Ireland. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, can people do this and come back to Canada? What's that whole process like? So I reached out to him and it's actually Jason Tupper. And I know you guys probably know his dad. Um, Dr. Tupper was a professor at Western for a while. Um, so yeah, so I talked to him. Um, he basically told me how easy the process was. There's a company called Atlantic Bridge, which really streamlines things for you. Um, you send your application there and then they send um, your application then to uh, University College Cork and Trinity College Dublin, which are the two schools that are accredited um, with the Canadian Dental Association. So yeah, I, I sent my application off um, and I thought, you know what, let's just see what happens. Don't know much about Ireland. I don't know anyone over there except this Jason guy I was messaging. So um, we'll see what happens. So yeah, I heard back, I think in April or May of my final year that I got into University College Cork and I thought, you know what? I might never get an opportunity like this in my life. Um, I knew that if I didn't get into dental school in my final year, I would travel and I really wanted to, you know, explore the world, see different countries. And so I thought, what a better, like, what better of an opportunity than this one, you know, kill two birds with one stone, go to dental school, live life in a new country, explore Europe. So yeah, so I decided to accept the offer. Um, and then that August, packed my bags, moved to Ireland, not knowing anyone. Um, I mean, yeah, it was a it was a bit of a you know scary, um, not experience, but it, you know you get a little bit nervous not knowing anyone over there, and you know leaving all your family and friends behind and starting this brand new life and in, in a country you've never even been to. So um, yeah, it was. It ended up being honestly the best five years of my life. Um, and moving over there, it's actually super easy to settle in and meet people just because there's so many Canadians in medicine and dentistry over there. I think it's like 40% of each class is, uh, Canadian. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it had a, yeah, we had a huge Canadian community. We all lived in, um, the same sort of area. It was a little community called Shears Gate and they called it mini Canada. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was nice. And I think because everyone was in the same position of not having any family or friends over there, we all quickly gravitated towards each other and we all kind of, um, formed this really tight knit family, um, starting from first year all the way through. So, um, it was really nice. And now I have friends for life and it, it, it was, yeah, it, it ended up working out really well. Awesome. And so you're a fairly recent graduate, right? So you came uh, back to, so you can, so you finished off during COVID, right? Yeah. So, so talk, talk about that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I finished 
Well, I graduated in um, June of 2020, um, but in March, um, we were writing Canadian board exams. So it's the exact same weekend as the Canadians write in Canada. Um, and that part is, is, is super easy as well. Um, they actually have a um, representative from the Canadian Dental Association in Ireland so that they can host board exams at my school, um, University College Cork. So um, it was the week leading up to boards. We were all stressed out and all of a sudden, you know, COVID cases are popping up and um, our dental hospital is attached to the main university hospital just through a hallway. So um, we had our first couple cases in the hospital during that week. And there were talks that maybe, you know, we would be shut down, boards wouldn't go ahead. And of course, all the Canadians were worried, you know, we need to get these board exams done. Like we need to go back to Canada. Like we need to, you know, finish our year. And so, um, board exams end up going ahead. And then on the Monday, the following week, we go into clinic and they're telling us, you know what, cases have just, you know, gone up again. We're, we're closing the hospital. Um, but you know, don't worry, just, you know, the Canadians, you guys can go home, but pack your bags for two weeks and, um, you'll be back. So, um, book your return flight two weeks from today. We're like, okay. So that's what we did. And then, um, I was actually living with my boyfriend at the time who was in his, um, third year. So he was two years below because it's a five-year program. So, um, we flew to, um, Vancouver where he's from and kind of, you know, waited it out over there. Um, and then kind of as each day passed, it was just, you know, we were kind of realizing like the reality of what COVID was and, um, how this wasn't actually a two week virus and it wouldn't just go away in that amount of time. And so, everything kind of started getting pushed back and they're like, okay, you know what? Like cancel your return flight for now. Um, we're going to kind of do everything online. So we continue to have our tutorials online, um, continue to, you know, um, we obviously couldn't do the clinic stuff, but, um, we had talks with our profs every day about different clinic scenarios. And, um, we had our final exams online as well. Um, but we were fortunate because they were oral exams anyways. So it was very similar to what we would have experienced if we were in Ireland. Um, I think that might be a, a difference between Canadian and Irish schools. Um, most of the exams in Ireland in your last couple of years are orals. So, um, yeah, so that was, that ended up being fine. We just did it on zoom with our profs. Um, and then, yeah. And then we graduated online as well and never ended up going back. So yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind in my final year and, um, you know, different, um, than what I was expecting. I was expecting to graduate with my friends. We had a graduation trip planned to Portugal and, and, you know, you just go through your final year thinking about walking across that stage and, um, you know, taking those pictures with your friends and throwing your cap in the air and, you know, all that fun stuff. And then not having to like, not having that come and, and not experiencing that it was, it was sad. So, you know, we were all, we were all pretty upset about that, but I mean, what can you do? We were going through a pandemic and um, we just had to move on with life. So we graduated online and all of us searched for jobs and started working. Um, so I actually went back to um, Ireland for the first time uh, a couple of weeks ago to visit my boyfriend. So it was nice to, to be back and to visit my profs and kind of say my goodbyes now and finally, finally get that closure on that chapter of my life. So um, yeah, it was, it was a great, great experience, but definitely a strange way to finish it off. Yeah, man. I, well, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, COVID kind of put a hamper on, 
on the sort of exciting parts of your education. But I mean, if you're just to kind of like pick away at some of the good things, like congratulations on finishing that. Like that's yeah, incredible. That's you. an awesome achievement. So yeah. I, that's just a, a really cool story that, you know, you decided to just like take this aspect of your life where people genuinely like tell themselves to buckle down for four years in dental school and you turned it into an opportunity to travel abroad, mm-hmm. experience yeah. different places. You, you yeah. traveled to a bunch of different countries while you were there, right? Met a, yeah. met a bunch of different people. So um, I feel like we have a lot to talk about with the Atlantic yeah. Bridge stuff. Uh, yeah. I don't even know where to start it, but I, I like, when I was applying to dental school, yeah. the, um, the questions I always had were like, what's the process like? So maybe let's start there. So what was the application process like and the admission process like for Irish schools? Yeah. So I think it's, this is going back a few years, but um, I'm pretty sure all it is, is you sort of download an application form from um, the like website of Atlantic bridge and you fill it out. And I think you need a couple reference letters as well. Um, I think these can be from um, professors from your undergrad or dentists that you've shadowed. So I think I got a couple of dentists I shadowed to write me reference letters. Um, And then you have to write um, a personal statement Um, and you can kind of take a creative take on it. And like, I think I can't even remember what their question was, but it was something about, you know, um, why you wanted to go to dental school and why it was Ireland and something along those lines. So you had to write a personal statement along with the reference letters and then along with your application, of course, you know, your, your grades from, um, your GPA and everything from the last couple of years of your undergrad. Um, and then you send it all off and then there actually is no, um, interview, which is kind of strange. Um, And I feel like an interview is really important because that's how you get to show off your personality and bring your application to life. Um, So yeah, there was no interview, but surprisingly all the Canadians over there that, that were accepted were super cool people, um, super outgoing and you know what, like it just shows you that maybe an interview isn't always needed. Um, Yeah, it was yeah, really, really great people got in. So, um, yeah, the application process was pretty straightforward. Um, I'm trying to think of what else they needed. Oh, so you don't have to write the debt to go to apply. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I, I did anyways, because I was going to apply to Canadian schools, but, um, yeah, they don't, they don't take your dad score. I don't know if it's the same with Australian schools as well. Um, but yeah. Were the there any like yeah, like equivalents from like Europe or anything that you had to write oh, up or so just the application? Yeah, just the application. So it's interesting because um, I don't know if you guys know, but the Irish students actually go straight into medicine, dental and law from high school. Right. So, okay. yeah, so they're um, so they're all 18 years old. It's a, it's a definitely a different education system over there. Um, they kind of have something similar to the SATs that the Americans have. Um, and then mm-hmm. they use that score, um, to then apply to whatever, um, university they want to go to and whatever program they want to go to. And then I think medicine, um, you need the highest score dentistry, you need the second highest score, um, kind of something along those lines. So, um, yeah, they don't have sort of a, a dot equivalent over there. Um, they just use that one sort of test score. I see. That's interesting. Yeah. Bob, do you, do you guys know anyone or did you go through like any of the application processes for schools abroad? Yeah, I actually uh, applied through the Atlantic Bridge to UCC and um, got into the four-year program. I really wanted to go. Um, 
but I remember when, when I was applying, there's like a lot of information out there, but I couldn't find a lot of information about like the student experience and, and what it's like to actually live there. So I wanted to ask you, Lauren, if you, you know, what was something that you didn't really expect when you went to Ireland? Yeah. So I think the pace of life, I think that is a huge difference between um, Ireland and Canada or North America in general. I think over here, we're super go, go, go. Um, We have a sense of urgency in everything we do. In Ireland, they're kind of in the mentality of, they say the saying, it'll be grand. It'll be grand. Like, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, And so you have to get used to, you know, like buses being 30 minutes late, um, patients being 30, 40 minutes late. Like, it's just normal. And like, you know, no one. one, Yeah. (laughs) So the Canadians, it was a little stressful trying to get used to that because, um, you know, it's funny because even for exams, like they would tell us our exam schedule two weeks before. And we were like hounding them two months before. We're like, what's going on? Like our exams are coming up. Like what day are they going to be on? What time, what location? And the Irish are looking at us. Like we had five heads. They're like, what's wrong with these Canadians? Like they're super on edge. Like tell them to relax. Like you guys are kind of being crazy here. So um, it's funny because I think their culture kind of rubbed off on me a bit living there for five years. I've definitely become a more chilled person um, and learned to, you know, not sweat the small stuff and everything's going to be fine. And um, so I think it kind of rubbed off on me, but in in a good way. So I think, yeah, the pace of life is definitely um, the, the biggest sort of um, differentiator between the two countries. Um, super interesting. Yeah. And then the weather, of course, as well. Um, we didn't, you know, have those harsh Canadian winters. Um, it's funny because it will be like five degrees and you'll see Irish walking around with Canada goose jackets. And you're like, <laughs> those aren't needed yet. Why are you wearing that? You know? So um, yeah, it was nice not to have those harsh winters, but that being said, it was constantly gloomy, constantly rainy, gray skies, 12 months of the year. So um, we don't really get, you don't get the seasons over there that you get here. So even summer over there doesn't get hotter than 18, 19. Um oh, really? 20, it's like the hottest day and everyone's at the beach and um yeah so it's it kind of stays between five to 19 like all year round um and then constant rain so mm-hmm. and there's not really any snow it's funny because when I was there I think it was my second year um there was a snowstorm um and I think there were two centimeters of snow on the ground and the the shut down. Down <laughs> three days three days <laughs> cars you should have seen it like there were hardly any cars on the road and they were moving at like five kilometers an hour it was so funny just because they're not used to it and I mean to be fair they don't have the the salt trucks and they don't have the snow plows and um so it's just funny how they actually shut the city down completely for three days the only thing that stayed open were the pubs <laughs> so <laughs> everyone was in the pubs necessities and, yeah, yeah that, right like the most important thing so um yeah it was it was funny um and then another funny thing is they don't wear rain boots or raincoats or use umbrellas. So, you know, here all the Canadians are, we have our hunters on and we have our Lululemon raincoats and our umbrellas and we're walking to class and they're looking at us like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, they're like, why are you wearing rain boots? Only farmers wear rain boots here. Like you're giving it away that you're not Irish. So, um, that was, that was really funny as well. Like they would just, I don't know how they did it. They wore running shoes and hoodies and it would just be torrential downpour and they just show up to class completely soaking wet and they're fine. 
they're just used to the rain, I guess. Yeah. Question, yeah. Lauren, actually. So um, in terms of like the, the class culture, you said that uh, like a lot of the Irish students that like, come straight out of high school, so like yeah. 18, 19 year olds, yeah. and you guys are obviously like finished university. How is that dynamic in the class uh, between yeah. you and like so, the, the Irish basically? Yeah. So it's interesting because I was the youngest Canadian. I was 22 when I started. So they're like, the Canadians were like, 22 to 35, I'd say. And, um, I mean, it's funny because the Irish would look at us and they're like, Oh my God, you guys are old. Like, you know, we don't want to hang out with those old Canadians. Like they're 18 and some of them are even 17 starting. So, um, but as the years went on and they became more familiar with us and they grew up a little bit as well, uh, we got a lot closer with them. So, um, the dynamic kind of changed, but, um, yeah, it was in the first couple of years, it was very like the Canadians hung out together and then the Irish hung out together. But last couple of years we all came together. Um, so that was nice. That'd be such a weird class dynamic. Yeah, it was, it was strange, but they'd also look up to us. Like they'd, cause we went through an undergrad before and they just came right. to high school. So they were like, how do you guys study? Like, how do you guys remember all this stuff for exams? Like, do you take notes in class on um, printed out slides or are you making your own notes on your computer? Cause a lot of them. So yeah, it was funny. Cause we all bring our laptops right to our lectures and they're looking at us and they're like, why do they have their computers here? Like oh really? Yeah. And oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's it's really it, it was just so interesting. Our first couple of years, and they're like, so then they kind of like we'd give them some tips, and they're like, oh, okay, so you know, it's it's faster to type than it is to handwrite in class. So let's you know, so they start bringing their laptops, and then we're telling them, you know, it's best to summarize the lectures, and this is how I do things, and and this is you know like how how we study, and so they learned a couple of things from us. But it's definitely a learning curve. Even think about you know going. Um, into first year from high school, like you had yeah. to figure out all that stuff too. So, so they looked up a lot um, to us for that. So yeah, That's it was super interesting. Cool so, so would you say like, you felt like you were at an advantage then like coming in from an undergrad? Yeah, it was interesting because I want to say the Canadians in the first couple of years did really well um, right. academically, just because we knew how to study. We, you know, yeah. we had our undergrads underneath us. So the- did the programs take that into consideration? Like that, um, you had like, you know, basically like high school kids starting the program. So did they factor that in to the way that they taught you guys? Or is it just like, just like yeah. all of dentistry is just yeah. a fire hose? So, I mean, how their program works is the first two years are all lecture course based. So, um, there's the four-year program or the five-year program that Canadians can get into. And we still don't know how they, how they, you know, um, put people in either program. Like we've compared GPAs and everything. And it just doesn't make sense how they decide who gets the four year, who gets the five year. Um, but anyways, I was in uh, the five year. And if you're in the five year, um, the first two years are lecture based and they're all sort of kind of um, like intro to sciences. So it's like biochem, anatomy, um, sort of the stuff that we would take in our first couple of years of our undergrad. So we actually were able to get exempt from courses that we already took in our undergrad. So I was exempt from almost all the courses in the first year and then most of them in the second. So I think I had 10 hours of class in my first That's year. Awesome. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So I, I took advantage of that and I, I traveled a ton um, with some other Canadians who were also exempt. Um, but it's nice. They had, like, it was a very, um, like they didn't make it easy to get exempt from these courses. Like you needed to provide your notes from your courses in undergrad. You needed to provide your, um, lecture schedules from these courses, um, your grades from the courses. Like they made it pretty difficult to get exempt. But I, I remember my exemption package was like 250 pages of, Whoa. yeah. Okay. So 
Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't easy to get exempt, but if you put the work in and showed them that you actually knew this material and already learned it in your undergrad, then um, they had no problem saying no worries. You, they actually refunded us some of the tuition oh, um, cool. for the okay. courses. Yeah. And then they said, you, you're fine. So you're only in, you know, these dentistry courses for your first couple of years. Um, yeah. So that was, so that was really nice. That's kind of how they kind of made it, you know, factored in, um, us having an undergrad versus the Irish coming straight from high school. I see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it gave us tons of time to travel for our first two years. That's for yeah. sure. So the first two years are like lecture based basic yeah. sciences and yeah. the, the other three years are like clinically focused then. Yeah. yeah. So it's, so it's nice. So in third year, um, it still is heavy lecture based, but they introduce you to clinic. So, um, I think in second year, actually you're, um, on your, on the mannequin heads and, and learning how to do, um, you know, scaling and, and fillings on the mannequin heads. And then third year you're doing, um, history and exams, fillings and, um, perio on patients in clinic. And then fourth year, you're introduced to crown and bridge on patients, um, removable pros, so dentures, um, endo, surgery, oral med, peds, ortho, um, and then repeat all that again in final year. So it's nice to have those three full years of clinic. And I think for my year, that really helped because we finished in March, right? We didn't get to actually finish our full year, but, um, you know, requirements weren't a huge issue just because we had that extra year under our belt. Um, so that was, so that was nice. So I think that's a benefit of, of the Irish programs that they have that extra clinical year. Yeah. It's really nice because it seems like you can like gradually learn instead of kind of maybe drinking from a fire hose a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, a big thing is communication with patients. And I think we kind of got that out of the way in our third year by, you know, just gradually doing history and exams, gradually doing a couple of fillings rather than kind of being thrown into doing an endo and actually, you know, having to learn how to talk to the patient at the same time. So um, it was nice how we were gradually introduced to it. Did you like having done those clinical years there and then coming back here, do you notice any big difference between Irish versus Canadian based dentistry or is it pretty much the same? So in Ireland, they're very minimally invasive. Um, So, I mean, if we on an exam said a treatment plan to replace, you know, like a missing, I don't know, one six would be a fixed, fixed bridge from the one seven to the one five on virgin teeth, they, that would be an automatic fail. So, yeah. So they love, they love RBBs. I don't know if you guys know about RBBs. Have you ever heard of that? Um, so it's a resin bonded bridge or like a Maryland bridge. Oh, yeah. So they're huge fans of Maryland bridges and no prep. So, um, yeah, that was, it was interesting, you know, coming back and, oh, also they don't like fixed, fixed, only cantilever. So if you're going to do um, a conventional bridge, they recommend cantilever over fixed, fixed. So there's just like little differences like that. And, you know, I came back here and I, I talked to, um, Dr. Shergan, my boss, and I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm thinking maybe cantilever. He's like, why cantilever? So it's interesting, but, um, you know, I take that into consideration and then I learn from my mentors about, you know, what's commonly done here and what's worked for them in their careers and, um, kind of put everything together and, and develop your own sort of practice philosophy and, and what you like to do. So, um, yeah, they're very minimally invasive over there. Um, but other than that, everything's pretty similar. The other difference was, um, I mean, when I was there for the endo course, it was um, hand filing instead of rotary. 
You could oh, only right. do rotary once you finished like three endos or something. Really? Yeah. So we had to hand file and then the obturation technique was cold lateral. So that's when you have um, a master GP point and you have all these accessory points that you're putting in and pressing down with this thing called a finger spreader. And that's how you're condensing your obturation. And so it took forever. I felt like the patient's job was just being pushed down every single time I was trying to obturate a tooth. So um, coming back here, it's like, I didn't have that much experience with rotary or any other obturation technique. So, um, but now I know, cause my boyfriend's in final year. So now they're strictly doing rotary and they're strictly doing, um, uh, you know, backfill. So um, it's, I think it's changing a lot. And I think we, the program and like, we put a lot of um, sort of, we gave them a lot of advice when we graduated of what we'd like to see. So um, things are changing there. Another big thing is they didn't really teach us surgical extractions over there. I don't know if you guys learn a lot of surgical extractions at Western or a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was like just, you know, grabs an elevator, grab some forceps and fight with the tooth till it's out. And so I, I learned a lot about surgical extractions in my first uh, couple of months working and I did um, a hands-on wisdom tooth course. And so, um, yeah, I quickly learned how to use surgical handpiece and I realized how much easier it is than fighting with the tooth for half an hour. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So that's interesting. So it's such a, it's such a different um, sort of clinical teaching, but uh, yeah. would you say that it's something that's easily like adaptable once you get here? Like it's not, it's not just completely out there. It's just, they practice differently, but yeah. I'm sure the basics coming over back to yeah. Canada, right? Translate. And yeah. And that's what they said to us. They said, you know what, if you guys know the basics, then, you know, it, you can just build upon that and everything mm -hmm. will come easier once you know the basics. So it was, it, and you know what, um, you know, rotary and wave one is so simple compared to hand filing and measuring all the files one millimeter short each time. Um, so yeah, it's, it actually makes things go a lot quicker and easier once you know um, the basics and once you've done it the hard way per se. Cool. Hmm. So um, if you don't mind, I, you touched on this a bit where you said that they reimbursed you for the tuition and stuff, right? So for me, one of the biggest like drawbacks uh, from like applying like abroad and stuff, because I looked into the States when I was applying, I, I of course looked into like Australia and Ireland and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it, it was like kind of difficult with the loan processes and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So can you, do you mind talking about that? What, what yeah. was the applications like for that? So I was lucky because my dad, is a corporate banker and he worked for RBC. So he was able to pull a couple strings for me and make things a little bit easier. Um, so I was able to get a loan um, from RBC for 300,000. Um, I know different banks give different loans. Um, I know a couple of my friends struggled a little bit. I think CIBC was only giving 200 and you know, people were saying, you know, like, this isn't going to cover my tuition. And I know they were giving bigger loans if you went to school in Canada. So I know there was a little bit of a struggle there. Um, but yeah, I was lucky in that regard, just because of my, my dad could, could pull a couple of strings and, and got me a pretty good, pretty good loan. But, um, it was, yeah, once, once you, once you applied and showed that you got in, I think it was pretty straightforward. Um, it's just that whatever, um, bank you're with just has a different policy with what they give. I see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, do you, um, do you know if any of your classmates use any like creative kind of ways to finance their education or like through private lending or anything like that? Or, um, 
No, not that I know of. I know a couple of patients were fortunate enough that their parents, um, you know, loaned them money instead of going through the bank and eventually going to pay them back. Um, But yeah, I know. So it's funny because I didn't realize in different provinces um, how much the like OSAP doesn't give us very much. Um, I'm sure you guys know, but um, like in Alberta and BC, they give them like 30 grand. Their, their provincial loans. So wow. um, that helped a lot of um, classmates that were from out West. So they relied heavily on their provincial loan system. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, OSAP doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really yeah, help sure. there too sure. much. But um, yeah, so that's really all I know. I know provincial loans and then um, from the bank and then some people's parents were able to help them. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want to prod too much there. Uh, yeah. It just, um, I know that that's a, that's a big topic like of debate when people think about like a Atlantic Bridge and going abroad for studying yeah. dentistry. And so it seems like it's still something that, you know, you have to kind of find a creative way to finance it. That's, yeah, that's not like exactly. an insider secret. Yeah, I mean, and it's not cheap. Um, it is very comparable though to dental school in Canada. Oh, that's um, good. Tuition wise, um, I think- even BC is more expensive. Like UBC, I know is probably the most expensive program in Canada more expensive than Ireland, even after like the conversion. So, um, I think you just have to factor in, um, flights, um, cause you're flying home for Christmas every year. You're flying home for summer every year. Um, a lot of people did work during the summers and I worked during the summers as a server, um, as an extra sort of income. Um, but yeah, there, and then, also factor in, you know, traveling. I mean, traveling once you're over there is really not expensive. Um, there's an airline called Ryanair and it's like $20 flights, like round trip to Paris that's, for the weekend. So well, it's no way. <laughs> not right. So, I mean, yeah. So it's so funny. Like I'd be doing a filling in the morning, um, on a Friday and my patient's like, Oh, what are you doing for the weekend? I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be in Amsterdam tonight. You know, like it's, what? it was, it was crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, $20, like there were a couple $20 flights, but like it it could go up to like maybe a hundred dollars round trip, but still it was, it was really, really cheap. And then we'd stay in hostels for like $10 a night and they'd have like free breakfast. And so we, we traveled really cheap and, and, and took advantage of it. So, I mean, you don't have to factor, um, traveling in as a huge expense just because of how easy and, um, and sort of cost effective it is once you're in Europe. Um, but yeah, flights to and from Canada can be pretty pricey. And then right. accommodation is really expensive over there. Um, you mean like living, like getting an apartment or dorm or something? Yeah. 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 So the little mini Canada I was talking about, um, it's called Shears Gate. And most of us live there. And I think it was like 800 euro a month. So that's maybe like 1200 dollars a month so wow. i mean it's, but and you're you're sharing a house with like four other people right so yeah um i mean it was pretty expensive compared to what i paid in my undergrad i i don't know what it's like now but i remember at queens i was paying like 550 dollars a month um right. in rent when i lived for like a student house. house yeah for yeah. a student house right and these were student houses so i thought that was pretty expensive um and then groceries are pretty expensive because Ireland is an island. So everything has to be shipped in. Right. Um, but um, like meat was really cheap. Cheese was really cheap because um, that's what they produce there. So potatoes. Yeah. Potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, like there are different, different costs to factor in for sure when you're over there, but right. um, it, 
big picture, I'd say it's a very similar, similar cost to what dental school would be in Canada. Fair enough. Yeah. So, so that's actually a really good point, actually. So in summary, like in terms of like the cost that you should factor in, if you're going to study abroad, so the travel back and forth from home, yeah. Yeah. Um, living expenses there seem to be a, a bit higher than what they are here. And then groceries and anything yeah. else you can kind of think of. Um, not really. That's, that's pretty much it. Um, I mean, it's in Ireland, like you're, it's a walking, it's a walking city. No one really gets a car. Um, taxis you can use if you want to go into town, but again, it's like a 20 minute walk into town. So, um, you can really get away with not spending that much on transportation over there as well. Awesome, um, awesome. Just walk everywhere. And it's totally worth it for $2,200 flights to Paris or Amsterdam. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Did any of your North American peers uh, end up, you know, falling in love with Ireland or anywhere in Europe and end up staying over there? A few people did. Um, I, I don't know anyone from my, no one from my class stayed over there, but I know in previous years, a couple of people did stay over there. However, um, we were told that dentists don't make as much in Ireland as they do in Canada. And with our crippling student debt, we couldn't really afford to, to live there and stay there if we wanted to. So um, I think that's why a lot of people do come back, but people have, you know, met Irish people over there and fell in love with Irish people. And then they actually followed them back to Canada because the great thing about this reciprocal agreement is that just like how we can go over there and study and come back to Canada easily. So can the Irish and the great thing for the Irish is that it costs them only 3000 euro a year to go to dental school. So they're wow. in the debt coming out. And so they can come back to Canada and make what dentists make in Canada and um, sort of live a great life. <laughs> and that's uh, a steal. Yeah. Three grand. I know. I what? know. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, um, yeah, it's funny because they kind of look at us like, I don't know why you guys came all the way over here to study dentistry. Like dentists don't make that much money here. Like, it's not like, why, why wow. such a thought after career where you're from? And we're like, Oh, okay. And so if we tell them, you know, you can actually make a really good living as a dentist, um, in Canada. And so then a lot of them actually write boards, like write board exams, and then they're able to come over. So, um, and live the American dream as they call it. Like a lot of them have never seen a skyscraper or a major highway. Um, wow. Like I was a cheerleader in high school and they're like, oh my gosh, that's only in movies. Like it's, it's just funny how, how they're, they're very sheltered. It's a, a very much a bubble um, in Ireland, especially being on an island. And a lot of them have never even explored Europe, even though it's at their doorstep. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's nice that they can actually come back and, and work in Canada as well. So since you're, you're, you know, you went to school in a European country, mm -hmm. um, and I know that a lot of places in Europe have agreements as well in terms of um, work. So are are you also licensed to work in other places in Europe if you get your degree from Ireland? Yeah. So you can work anywhere in Europe. You can work anywhere in Canada and anywhere in Australia. So I was originally thinking maybe I'd move to Australia after I finished at Ireland. And and because I it's funny because, you know, once you push yourself to move to a new place where you don't know anyone, um, you kind of not get addicted to it, but you just feel that sort of 
excitement that comes along with it. And you realize you can do it again really easily. So I thought, you know what, maybe just let's start again and let's go to Australia. But with COVID and everything that happened, that was definitely pushed to the side. And um, I met my boyfriend who's from Canada. So it just made sense to come back to Canada. But um, yeah, Australia, Canada, and all of Europe, you can work in. You can't work in the States though. Oh, really? Yes. So that's one drawback. Um, You would have to either um, apply like for the international program in an American school or um, do a internship or specialty program at an American school in order to work in the States. So you can't just be a general dentist working in the States. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I thought the Atlantic Bridge included them. That's yeah. crazy. So not right now. And we've, I know a lot of people, you know, were interested in moving to the States and starting a career there. And they've, um, you know, tried saying, you know, if we graduated from a Canadian school, we can easily go down to the States and work. And and they just haven't included that in the agreement. But um, I, I think they said it's only a matter of time before it happens. It's just not in the agreement yet. Interesting. Yeah. So, but specialties and stuff like that, you, you can go. Yeah, for. you can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the only way to kind of um, like, that's a loophole. You could do an internship or specialty in the States and then you're able to work there. And just to clarify, like, even if you have your Canadian license, like you can't go and work in the, really? That's, no. that's yeah. shocking. I know. I know. Wow. And I know my one friend was dating a guy in Seattle. So she was emailing everyone about this and trying to, you know, find a different way about it. And, and they were really um, sort of rigid and, in their responses and they just said it's just not it's not happening yet so i see yeah okay well cool uh, along those lines I, I wanted to also talk about um what the process is for employment coming mm-hmm. in from an irish school so how yeah. hard was it for you to actually find a job coming from ireland yeah so it's interesting because i mean we had a lot of um you know like corporations in Ireland come to talk to us about Irish opportunities and um, a lot of networking events where you can meet Irish dentists. But we found that that was sort of lacking from the Canadian perspective. No one was really reaching out to us from Canada and, you know, doing a presentation on like, you know, job searching coming back. And I, I was talking to Vic Jindal, if you guys know him. um, And he was thinking of actually, you know, starting, um, some sort of, you know, program or just, um, like a conference that he could kind of host over there and, and, um, sort of walk you through the first steps of, of finding a job back home in Canada. So it was, it was definitely, um, difficult to, you know, um, find, you know, those connections while you were over there with Canadian dentists. So, um, when I came back, I, was sort of set on living and working downtown Toronto because I was from Oakville. Um, But with it being the height of COVID, um, downtown Toronto was pretty dead and and there wasn't many people living down there. So no one was really looking for a full-time dentist. So almost every single um, posting would be like every other Thursday morning and one Saturday a month. And I'm like, how am I going to find like two to three jobs that I can piece together that I, where I actually want to work. And where the hours actually fit. Right. And so, um, I think I searched for like two months for a job downtown and I just couldn't find, um, a couple different ones that work together. So, um, that's when I thought, you know what, let's look in the London area. My parents live in Grand Bend. That's super close. I love Masonville mall. <laughs> I know there's, um, lots of great restaurants in, in London and I know it's a great city. So let's look there. And then 
that's when I um, saw Dr. Shergan's posting for West Five. And um, I interviewed with Dr. Shergan and Dr. Larson. And um, I just knew after that interview, it was the right fit for me. Um, they were super, super amazing. Um, and, you know, they're all about um, mentorship. And I think that's so, so important with your first job out of school. Keep looking. And I think that's my one piece of advice I can get for new grads. Like, don't settle. Um, I, I know a lot of people were like, oh, you know, it's your first job, like whatever, just take whatever comes at you. But I think some of my friends did that and they're regretting it because they're not having that safety net or that mentorship and they're not having that team to support them and back them up when they need it. Um, especially as a new grad, it's, it's super important to have that. So I'm so lucky that I have that with, um, with where I'm working right now, but yeah, that being said, it was, it was a little bit more difficult for, I guess, an Irish grad to, to network and to find a job coming back to Canada. I feel like personally that first or second year out after, um, after you finish school, it's almost like you start like school again, like in the real world where you like learn a lot of things like on the job. And do you find it um, kind of hard to like find that true mentorship? Cause I would assume like in, in big areas like Toronto, they, they kind of want people to come in and like be more like on the productive side and mm-hmm. they, they don't have like that time to actually give you. How hard do you think it's like to find like real mentorship when you go like straight out of practice? I think it's, it's really difficult. And I know some dentists, I think a lot of dentists either have a passion for it or they don't. And it's important to kind of put them on the spot in interviews and just be straight up and say, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm expecting. You know, if I'm doing a, a a root canal and the canal sclerosis, and I'm having a hard time getting patency, are you going to hop in and are you going to help me? Or are you just going to say you're on your own? you know, that's your patient. You deal with it. If you can't, if you can't get patency, just refer it out. Like I, that's, that's not my patient. You know, you kind of have to put them on the spot and ask them those hard questions. And, and you know what, it's okay if they don't want to give mentorship, but that's just not, that's not what you want as your first job out of school. And, and, you know, being straight up with them and, and realizing that before you accept the job, um, is super important because you don't want to realize that a couple months into it, that you don't have that support that you originally thought you were going to get. So, um, I think you, the biggest thing is you have to just ask them straight up and they will tell you if, if they're interested or if they're not. Um, and you know, physical hands-on mentorship is different than just like mentorship per se. Um, I mean, I know when I was interviewing a lot, we're like, Oh, well, yeah, like if you have a question, I can answer it. And so, you know, it's, that's different than coming into the op and meeting my patient and helping me out and, and, you know, um, being my safety net if I need that. So, um, yeah, I think just put your foot down and make sure that, that, that they understand that's what you want. I was going to ask you, um, what it's like in terms of applying to residency programs coming from Ireland, if it's the same as maybe a Canadian or um, a a graduate from the United States? Yeah. So I don't know personally because I didn't apply to any. Um, I know that my boyfriend was looking into it and I know a couple of people in my class did. And apparently it's literally the exact same. um, It's the exact same process. I know that you do need a couple of reference letters, but um, they're, it's super easy to ask the profs. They know you really well. And um, yeah, I heard it's it's super, super easy and exactly the same process as if you were coming from a Canadian school. Lauren, I, I wanted to be kind of frank with you. So you, yeah. you seem to be convincing everyone to go to Ireland. I, I don't see what the <laughs> loss is here. Um, so I wanted to ask you, why why shouldn't you go to Ireland? Like what, what are the downsides to it that you saw? Um, I mean, it is the five-year program. 
I mean, it was a long time to be away. And so basically when you start the five-year program, you're also in first year with um, the other Canadians that are starting the four-year program. So I remember being like going from fourth year to fifth year. And I was seeing all the Canadians that I came in with graduating and you kind of think, Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I have a full, like, another year and all my friends I came in with, they're gone. And this is going to be a really hard push. And, um, it, it is a long time. Five years is a long time, but it does go by really, really quick. And so I think, um, at times, you know, I did get a little bit homesick. Um, but I mean, that being said, you do have your whole Canadian family over there that you become really close with. So, I mean, if you're more of a homebody kind of person, it might not be the best fit for you. Um, But I mean, it definitely um, makes you a more independent person and gets you out of your shell a little bit. Um, Why else would, shouldn't you go to Ireland? I mean, there's not, there's not many other things I can think of. I mean, if you don't like the rain, (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not for you. Um, if you love to, I mean, see, if you love to ski and snowboard, you can just fly to Austria for the weekend and go, to go Swiss Alps. It's no big deal. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like an you know, $80 so, Ryanair ticket. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Europe is just, there's, there's so much for everyone and there's so many different cultures and ethnicities and, you know, to explore. And so it really does have something for everyone. Um, so there's, yeah, there's not too many drawbacks. I have to say, I have to be honest. Um, and I can confidently say it was the best five years of my life. And I, I don't regret it at all. I, I can't imagine my life not having that experience. I just think that it's like now part of me and, um, yeah, just, I look back on it and definitely, definitely best years. It was very, very difficult, the academic part, but, um, so many good memories. Awesome. Congratulations. I mean, that sounds so cool. It seems like you had such an awesome experience and you had a great time. And you know what, like for me, I, I'm, I don't know. I feel very reserved. Like I I don't like stepping outside the box and I'm starting to learn that I kind of have to, because this seems like an awesome, awesome experience. So if you're worried about going to study abroad in dentistry, take it from Lauren. It wasn't that bad. It was a good time. She she loved it. Right. Um, We are getting closer to the hour. So I wanted to leave off on a note of advice from you. So maybe something that's specific to either students that are studying abroad already or looking to study abroad for dentistry, what piece of advice would you give them? Yeah. So I think while you're in dental school, it's really easy to get caught up in this vicious cycle of going to school, coming home, studying, eating, you know, trying to make time for yourself, going to sleep and then repeat. However, that sort of lifestyle is just not sustainable in dental school. You're going to burn out. It's it, you just, you just can't do it that way. So I think the biggest piece of advice is make sure you make time for yourself. You make time for hobbies that you're passionate about outside of dentistry. You make time to hang out with people from dental school, but make sure, you know, on a Friday night or Saturday night when you're hanging out, you just make a rule. We're not talking about dentistry because <laughs> I know it can be really hard to do. Um, but it's so important to remember there's a life outside of dental school um, and to also enjoy your last couple of years in school. Like it feels like we've been students forever. Right. And so, um, you know, you're going to miss it a little bit. And, and then you're all of a sudden you're in real life and you're like, I don't know how to handle this. All I know how to do is be a student. So I think, yeah, enjoying your last couple of years, making time for yourself and knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like in final year, 
I was really like, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have all these hurdles to jump over before I make it to graduation. And I just feel like it's this never ending journey that I'm on. And, you know, I had profs tell me, you know, if you don't memorize this textbook front to back cover, you're going to fail. Like that's not the case. If you put the work in, you're going to do fine. You're going to make it at the other end. Um, And you know what, regardless of the rank um, of your class, everyone's going to be a dentist. So, (laughs) you know, it's all going to work out. It's all going to be fine. There's an end in sight. Don't take yourself too seriously and just try to enjoy um, your last couple of years. I think one of my dental mentors always said like, and basically kind of what Lauren was saying is make dentistry a part of your life. Don't make it your life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Super, super important. Even, um, even more so when you graduate and, and you're in the real world, it's important that it's, you know, your number one passion, but it's important to have other things that, that you get excited about in life as well. So Lauren, if people wanted to reach out to you, say hi, maybe ask you some questions about Ireland or studying abroad, could they contact you in some sort of way? Yeah, you could email me. Um, my email is lauren underscore chandler at live.ca. Um, or you could add me on Facebook, message me on Facebook, um, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always open to answering questions and helping people out and, and giving people some advice, some advice that I wish I had when I was in your position. If you have any questions or concerns, try to reach out on uh, Debbie as well. You can find us on Instagram at Debbie.learn. That's D-E-B-I dot learn or DebbieAcademy.ca. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, guys. 